Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado, Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and joined always by my brother, Dustin. Hello, hello. Natalie Ho, neighborino. Oh, we're, <laughs> we're excited for this episode. This yeah. One, oh, this one got us, got us thinking of yeah. how we could waste millions and millions of dollars and get yep. nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this episode focuses on really more examples that the Rockies have convinced themselves to never, ever spend, you know, on big free agent names or spend big money on pitching for like starting pitchers ever again. Uh, most of these, two of these happened like what, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, almost. And they convince themselves this will never work. And so they try to rely on the homegrown stuff or just bargain bins shopping, which it can work, but it's not really how you build a championship team. No, not at all. And oh man, when we were doing when we were doing the research for this one, holy cow, it got us just you know the, the forehead slaps of mm-hmm. what what a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> it's like at least they tried, but it's like we've talked about with the Super Bowl pin. It's nice that they tried, but it's just not money well spent though. So they just spent money for the sake of spending money. And if you haven't guessed it already, we will be talking about Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel, and a more recent one, which is still like five years ago in a Kyle Kendrick. So those three guys are kind of those bad examples of free agent bus for the Rockies. At least one, at least Kyle Kendrick was only one year. But, uh, thankfully, a rough group, a lot of money sunk into these three guys. And, uh, yeah, didn't work out really for any of them, though. You did get, there are at least some positives with, uh, Mike Hampton. Yeah. And it wasn't from the, yeah, it didn't come off the mound. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So we might as well just hop right into it and, We'll start off with the big name here, Mike Hampton, and uh, we'll throw it over to Dustin to run down on Mike Hampton real quick. All right, Mike Hampton, the left-handed starting pitcher, but batted righty with the power bat uh, out of Florida. He was drafted back in the 1990 draft by the Mariners, and he uh, got drafted by them and played just one season in Seattle, then went over to Houston and took him a little while there at the end of his Houston career to really make a name for himself. In 1999, was an all-star 
finished second in the Cy Young, was a silver slugger, and that's, you know, really where it put him on the map. 22-4 and four record, and then he goes over to the Mets, gets another silver slugger, and then the Rockies decide to throw it down for Mike Hampton in 2001. And he was only with the Rockies for those two years, and then they moved on. It, once he left the Rockies, goes to Atlanta, has some success again, and then just kind of piddled away till 2010 when he was finally out of Major League Baseball. Yeah. A lot of injuries, I think, popped up near after that second season in, uh, in Atlanta. Tommy John, all that good stuff. Yeah, but that that was uh, Mike Hampton with the with the Rockies wore number ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> luckily I didn't have to really experience the Mike Hampton era since you know, I was a young little first grader <laughs> when when he was with the team. But at the time, I believe it was still like one of the biggest free agent contracts. I think Chris Bryant's in terms of total value, it, there are hints of the Mike Hampton and Chris Bryant deal right now in terms of just the star power that they bring over, the money, a seven, eight-year contract thing. And at the time for Mike Hampton, I saw it was the largest contract in baseball history until Alex Rodriguez beat it like shortly after that offseason. But yeah, a ton of money from from the Rockies and Dan O'Dowd, who's who wanted to to make a play. Like it is one of his first years. No, he's still in his early years of being the GM. Wanted to make a splash, and we need we need pitching. Let's spend money for pitching. Yeah, and I remember, I remember that um, you know everybody was like that much money for a starting pitcher. He's, all of a sudden, I think when you get those kind of contracts, it's being the player, like all that pressure now on you, you have to perform. And we're talking those early 2000 teams, there's still no humidor and the ball would fly. We're talking steroid era, kind of like right in the middle of it, kind of on that downward part, I think after the 2003-ish, you know, around there. But... Yeah, everybody was thinking all this money for this guy. He's gonna save the pitching staff. He w- he finished second in, in the Cy Young in Houston a couple years before. He's you know falls into that uh, that Colorado Rockies pitching model mm-hmm. of throwing a sinker ball and getting ground balls, and for Mike Hampton. It uh, pitching wise, the first year, his first year wasn't he was an all star, mm-hmm. yeah, and because of his batting, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think and co host over with affected with Rocky Mountain Rooftop affected by altitude. Evan Lang points that out. There's some Purple Row articles where he talks about those first that first season at least. Wasn't terrible. wasn't 
what they had paid for, but for him coming over pre-Humidor in that first season, not a bad year for Mike Hampton on the mound. Drew Goodman points that out. Like People often forget that he did turn in an all-star season. That first year was good enough on the mound, plus the hitting. It was good enough to earn those, no, the, the nomination, the, that notice, that honor. But man, <laughs> not exactly, you're not getting what you paid for. Brutal. Eight years, $121 million. You know, at the time, it was the largest contract in baseball that just a couple days later, A-Rod signed the Texas Ranger deal for $252 million. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, it's funny reading about it. And he, it says Hampton once claimed that he had chosen to move to Colorado because of the school system. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. So, so when he was signed, he found this article, an old ESPN article. And uh, it says, they were the best by far. Hampton said, Colorado is our kind of place. It was a place that I could move my family to without having to take my kid out of school every three months, Colorado was the place for my family. Now, like, that, that's understandable. Like these players, they want to find a place to settle down. Like they have their family to think about, so that can play you know, a role in some in some decision making. But also, the Rockies wanted to give him the biggest contract in baseball history. It probably <laughs> doesn't matter what schools there are. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and it started out really well in his first in his first start at Coors Field. He went eight and a third innings. You know, it was like this is the guy. This is this is who we need. Uh-huh. And sadly, that it seems like a lot of times that happens on opening day. Yeah. Oh yes, like this is the year. And then a week later, oh, we're never even going <laughs> to sniff the the top of the standings ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like Hampton, coming into it, coming into the season, Hampton had a 6.88 career ERA at Coors Field. So history wasn't exactly on his side at that point. But he said, it's a tough place to pitch. Uh, this is what O'Dowd said. Dan O'Dowd at the time, it's a tough place to pitch. We didn't come in there and sell Mike Hampton how it was pitcher's heaven. Hampton agreed. There's no doubt it's the toughest place to pitch, he said. It's a test I look forward to and something that I think will make me a better pitcher in the long run. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these guys, they come in with that hope, that competitive mentality, and then it just gets beaten out of them. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's that thing of your ball doesn't move like it did in other places. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it the movement, the location, even the body's recovery a day after you pitch, the ne- the second day after. For me, it's always that second day after that's worse. Mm-hmm. That, you know, how does the body recover so that on the fifth day he's good to go again? And, yeah, th- that mentality, I think, makes the big, le- you know, makes a ball player a big leaguer is that mentality of I'm up to the challenge. I'm going to, I'm going to go after it and go as hard as I can. And Mike Hampton did that in that 2001 season. He pitched, um, was like 200, 200 innings. Mm -hmm. 
you know, long gone are the days that Colorado Rockies starters are going 200 innings, 203 innings, uh, making 30 starts, 32 starts. You know, that's, that's in it. He's, and he still won 14 games that year, a 541 ERA, but hey, you know, uh, what I remember the most, though, is that I always said if the Rockies would go to a D8, you know, if they're American League, mm-hmm. put Mike Hampton as your D8. <laughs> like, make him play the outfield. He, he could he could just rock, just rock it. You know, he, <laughs> that year in 2001, what did he do? He batted 291 with seven home runs. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he hit 344. Mm-hmm. Like he was a five-time, he won five consecutive Silver Slugger awards. Mm-hmm. It was Mike Hampton was a beast, and at altitude, who mm-hmm. he was just he was up there just to rip it. Mm-hmm. You know that was that's what I always remember of Mike Hampton just dropping hammers on the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's what's that's what's crazy. Looking at his stats, though, he only had 16 RBI. Mm-hmm. It's that, a lot that of... first that 2001 season, seven <laughs> homers and seven of them came and 16 RBI. Seven of them were from him himself. Mm-hmm. But why weren't people on base for this guy? He should have been yeah. batting cleanup. It should have <laughs> gone. It should have gone. Todd Helton then Mike Hampton. <laughs> And Larry Walker's somewhere in there. Yeah, Larry Walker's somewhere in there. Holy <laughs> cow. Sheesh. Yeah. He had a couple of silver sluggers with Colorado, had the all-star thing. He was always known for a good uh, defensive glove, wasn't he? Or does he have a gold yeah, glove somewhere? He, yeah, he got a gold glove in Atlanta a few year, a couple of years later, or the next year um, in 2003. But he was agile. Mm-hmm. When you look at Mike Hampton, he should have been a middle linebacker for a football team. Mm-hmm. He was just I, – I just remember, like, <laughs> looking at Mike Hampton, he had that uh, – I always thought he had, like, stubby legs, but <laughs> the huge broad shoulders, just a big old, like, square top. Mm-hmm. And he was agile. He was an, mm-hmm. He was an athlete. Yeah, and I, there's so many signs that point to, okay, this is a good signing. This is going to work out well for us. And, you know, you look at the look at his career and what he did in Colorado. Okay, that first season, it's not bad. The second season's just terrible overall. And then they immediately get that cold feet of like, oh, we got to get out of this contract. And, no. Sometimes I, I kind of agree with the sentiment again that Evan Lang shares has shared times that the Rockies kind of gave up on Hampton maybe a little too early into this contract. No, maybe give him that third year. Like after the third year, maybe you can. Okay, we got to pull the plug on this because you know, the humidor was only a few years away at that point. So you know, he didn't get to experience maybe the, some of the the change in the, the d- change in Rockies pitching once that humidor was implemented. Cause then what you get Aaron cook, Jeff Francis start to roll in more 
a lot more sinkers, a lot more grounders working out, numbers coming down at Coors Field. Not for Hampton. And so he signed to this contract, this big money, and they decide to jump ship after two years. Which, man, that sounds really familiar of a certain third baseman recently. Hmm. Signing big contract to a guy and then getting cold feet and wanting to get out from it. Yeah, and, and although I think the return they got by getting rid of him, yeah, I really liked. I really liked the return they they got for him, and I was glad. I never had. I never felt as a fan. I never had anything against Mike Hampton. Yeah, like I didn't. I never held that big contract against him, and trying to, you know, trying to perform. Mm-hmm. You know. It's not like he went out there and tanked. Yeah, you know, he'd go out there, and it's 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 hard when you're trying your best and it's just not working out. Yeah, and would it have gotten any better in a third year? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Yeah, especially like later on, looking, you know, the injuries stop start popping up a little more, and I don't. I don't know what if at least they got something for him instead of him in the third year, you know, blowing out his arm or pulling his oblique on a swing and then he's done, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think they figured this is probably the best that we can do to get out of that money. And they got a really good haul for him. So they ended up trading him in November, 2002, Juan Pierre, which yeah, that's the so that's the bad cost of this. Dang it, because Juan Pierre was just he was he was one of the, he was one of those guys that I just loved seeing the way he played the game. Mm-hmm. And we'll have an episode of Juan Pierre sometime. But they they send him Mike Hampton and Juan Pierre to the Marlins, and they get Vic Derensburg. Oh, forgettable. <laughs> Charles Johnson, who was just a, a legit catcher. I loved mm. Charles Johnson. Pablo Azuna and Preston Wilson. And Preston Wilson, if it wasn't for injuries, he was, man, he was fun center fielder to watch. Had a good couple um, of years. But it was, that was a good, that was a good haul. And the Marlins two days later then flipped Hampton over to the Braves. And yeah, Mike Hampton had some decent numbers uh, mm-hmm. with the with the with the the Braves after that. A Gold Glove, the Silver Slugger again, and had a couple of couple of good seasons. And I think our injuries started taking him down. Yeah, and <laughs> big thing too is the Rockies included a bunch of cash over to the Marlins, which probably then went over to Atlanta. So they sent a bunch of cash in with the deal to sweeten the pot. And I think there was also a deferred payment plan that began in 2009 for Preston or for uh, Hampton. Rockies finally stopped paying Mike Hampton in 2018. Whew. Dude, that deferred money stuff. So everybody, everybody talking like all oh, the the Shohei Otani and what the Dodgers are doing. Major League Baseball has been doing this for years. Yeah, they just haven't been deferring. <laughs> <laughs> is like whatever amount Shohei was a is billion every year. dollars. Yeah, 
<laughs> Nobody's been deferring 68 million. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, year. Just make 2 million a year. Eh. Yeah. I get 50 but million from Japanese <laughs> sponsorships and stuff. But yeah. Mike Hampton. But Mike Hampton, that was, that's when we're talking about nostalgia and what we remember. Just Mike Hampton, I always think of his body shape and just dropping, <laughs> dropping tanks, hitting the baseball. You know, we didn't, the Rockies didn't have that until Herman Marquez yeah. started getting silver slugger stuff. And, and then we just got universal DH. Yeah. But when I think of, if, if we're taking a lineup of pitchers, uh, you know, to hit, Mike Hampton's like my number one. Mm-hmm. He's going to, he's going to be, he's going to be my four hole all time pitcher hitters. Yeah. And something quick before we move on to our next guy, uh, Drew Goodman, voice of the Rockies. Uh, he had actually quote tweeted to the original uh, post about Mike Hampton. He says, Mike eventually did try to overcompensate for lack of depth on his sinker, but people forget that he was lights out and an all-star the first three months of 2001. So it could be one of those things, just trying to overcompensate, trying to combat altitude and changing who he was as a pitcher. And it just detrimental effects, which seems to happen a lot at altitude when you try to overcorrect overblow out the, oh, I can't pitch at Coors. I got to do something different. If guys just stick to who they are, I think they'll find success. And Definitely. You know, and the big thing with Hampton, I think, is it's just scared the Rockies from ever pursuing top talent pitching. And because I think, you no, know, if they had gone out, gotten like a Blake Snell this year, maybe not Blake Snell, but like a Jordan Montgomery or you know, even Yamamoto, deal out that big money for a top-of-the-line starter, I think those guys would find success. Good pitchers will be successful. Yeah. And don't don't mess with them. You can, like, make little tweaks in philosophy and approach here and there, but leave those top-of-the-line guys relatively untouched. Yep. But moving on to our next guy, uh, who's a really one of the even bigger reasons of why you don't spend big on a starting pitcher is old Denny Nagel, who had signed, what, a week before before uh, Hampton did? Ugh. Now we're just bringing back bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> so, Denny Nagel, left-handed pitcher a, from Maryland, drafted by the Twins back in 1989, and he... Played for Minnesota, then pitched in Pittsburgh, then went over to Atlanta. Was an all-star in the Cy Young contentions. Won 20 games in 1997. Uh, played in Atlanta for a couple of years, uh, three years, then went to Cincinnati, over to the Yankees, and then the, the Rockies decided to sign him to big money. And he pitched for Colorado from 2001 to 2003. And mm. luckily that ended and he was gone. And he was done in baseball after that. Denny mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> Dude, Number 15. Oh, I just, 
even thinking about it now and just, oh, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I remember everybody was like, you know, because he, he had some success in his, in his, in Pittsburgh. He was an all-star in 95. And it's just crazy to think that he would, he'd been in the, in the big leagues for since 91 at age mm-hmm. 22. And mm-hmm. the Rockies got him there in his early thirties. And it just, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Those instances of, again, trying to spend big and, and let's rebuild this bullpen and get top or get some like quality guys in there. And, you know, <laughs> it just didn't work out. Dibs, t- what, t- 23, over $23 million. And, you know, Denny Nagel, I, thinking about it, I, I just, re- I remember listening to him a lot of those years in the early 2000s. We didn't have, t- we didn't have cable TV to get to watch many games unless they played mm-hmm. on Saturday baseball on Fox. But we, we listened to the games. We listened to them all the time. And I just remember listening anytime Denny Nagel, and I was just like, oh, man. They were just like those old – he's pitching four innings and giving up a ton of runs, or it's just can't throw strikes. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember just every time. Uh, maybe Denny Nagel, I don't think I want to listen to the game tonight. <laughs> like I hate to say that, but that's really what it was. Yeah, yeah. He it, looking at you no know, advanced stats and stuff. He seems like that, just kind of a pretty mid-average pitcher in terms of you know, time in Colorado. Two thousand one, he had an eighteen point three percent strikeout rate. Eh, it, it looks like it's slightly above league average. I think during his time. But he's just kind of league average in a lot of everything. And so definitely didn't, you know, wasn't the type of pitcher to command a that big of a deal. You know, especially for a guy that's, what, 32 when he signs? And what, they signed him to like a four or five year deal? It was a five year deal for $51 million. Yeah, so you look at, even just like in his past, like I don't see... Like if he was a one year deal, maybe two year, uh, that's fine, because two thousand one, two thousand two aren't bad. Had a five thirty eight ERA in two thousand one, five twenty six in two thousand two. It's not great, but it's not terrible. One hundred seventy innings, one hundred sixty four innings. So he was at least out there and making his start every five days. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. For better or for worse. He made like you know, 65 appearances between those two seasons. You're like, okay. You know, in a different world, you sign him to that two-year deal. 10 million or something like that. Okay, we can stomach this. After two years, all right, we're done with you. See ya. But instead, they committed to, what, five years? For yeah, the guy get, five Getting years. older on the tail end of his career. And... You know, in 2001, 2002, they got the starts out of him. But then in 2003, that's where the that was the end of it, really. Just injury after injury with the arm injury. 
mm-hmm. and he just couldn't get back from it. In 2004, he spent the whole season on the shelf. Yeah. And that's where some other troubles came up, and the Rockies ended up just terminating the rest of the contract. Yeah. And then he went, signed with the devil, with Tampa Bay and didn't play because he was still, he was hurt. Yeah. So is he, whereas Mike Hampton was like at the epitome of like, okay, this guy's right in the midst of being like an ace, a Cy Young candidate. Denny Nagel looks like a guy that's obviously at the tail end of his career. No, he's been in the league for 10 years at that point already. No, he's in his early thirties. They were betting on him, you know, maybe being that pitcher that was finished third in the Cy Young in 1997. No, and this is a trend you find with Rockies. They, it's not like, what did you do last year or like the year before that? It's what did you do four or five years ago? Can you do that again? Yeah. Oftentimes the answer is no. No, they cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what, man... I look back at that 2001 starting rotation where it was like, Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel was our number two? (laughs) Come on. And then we had Sean Chacon, who was was young and getting into it. We still had a a tail end of of Pedro Pedro Astacio, Brian Bohannon, and John Thompson. Mm. That was our starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know Jason Jennings was on the horizon. Oh man, Scott Ellerton. <laughs> oh man, look at those names. They're like, how did the Rockies think they were going to compete? Yeah, it's you can look back at a lot of those early two thousands before they before the homegrown guys start to come up. I think Jason Jennings kind of kicks that off because then you get Aaron Cook and a bunch of other guys starting to come through. And that kind of ties into the, the Rockies' mindset of shifting. Okay, the solution to solving pitching is homegrown guys that we develop ourselves instead of trying to get these free agents. Because Brian Bohannon was also one of those free agent signings in 1999. It didn't pan out. Oh, don't tell me he didn't pan out. Good old Brian Bohannon. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till till we talk about him. <laughs> but it's a lot of the a lot of that where I this is like one of those straws that breaks the camel's back of okay, we can't spend big money, can't commit big money to a starting pitcher at Coors Field because it's we're not going to get what we pay for and that's just too much of a commitment because we can't it's hard to predict what this guy's going to do year to year. No, they can commit that big money to a homegrown guy, but they won't do it for a free agent starter anymore. And I doubt, No, I have a hard time ever seeing the Rockies do that again. Yeah, not... At least anytime soon. Yeah, and that's that's the sad thing is we feel the Rockies can only get the, you know, the, the bargain bin guys. Mm-hmm. Are not top-end starters. We're talking guys that are either, you know, quadruple A or the... The, the low end fifth starter, yeah, because I feel is what, and we're only going to do a one year, maybe waste money on a two year deal. Yeah, well, it, it, as we're recording this in 2024, because I don't know how 
how late in the future somebody's listening to this. But in their offseason, they're saying a lot of the targets would be bargain bin guys, waiver claims, guys maybe on the tail end of their career trying to milk one last season out of them to trying to extend their career. Those are the type of guys they're looking for. And it's just depressing as a fan. No, because I can imagine, no, if I was paying attention in 2001, no, your reaction initially kind of like you were saying of when you see him spend the money on these, on starting pitching, knowing that starting pitching has been a problem. We've had bad pitchers. Here's some good ones that we might bring in. Like I said, Mike Hampton one, I was like, yeah, that's good. But Denny Nagel was like, what? This guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and if if we could flip flop you know the offense from those early 2000s and actually, man it's just crazy because the Rockies could hit the ball mm-hmm. couldn't pitch but man they could hit the ball and then it seemed like when the Rockies could pitch the ball then they couldn't hit yep and so, sadly for for Denny Nagel, he's just in that, you know the the bad side of Rockies fandom. Um, you know, made his still played thirteen thirteen years in the big leagues. No, yeah, because you know, I I can remember he was one of those guys in our old school Super Nintendo baseball games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing that name pop up, and it's crazy to think that even in yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two with the Rockies. He that was him. That's the uh-huh. same guy. <laughs> but hopefully, I don't know how his after his baseball career. There's a lot of legal troubles and things. I I haven't looked up. You know if he's doing all right nowadays. But you know, like we like we always say, I don't wish bad on him. I'm just glad his baseball, his Rockies career was done and didn't go the full five years. Yeah. And no, something that we've seen with the Rockies do is if nothing else, they're like good character people and they don't have much tolerance for dudes doing bad stuff off the field. And as soon as they heard that, we'll terminate that contract. We're done with that. No, same with Jose Reyes in the future, different scenario, but still awful situation they're like yeah you're you're done here buddy that'll fly in the rocky mountains yeah so oh goodness now speaking of bargain bin guys <laughs> we'll touch on our last one here and again this is another one i was in oregon during his tenure so i wasn't subject to one kyle kendrick longtime oh. philadelphia philly who comes over to the rockies I wish I was in Oregon during that season as well. <laughs> but Kyle Kendrick, right-handed starting pitcher out of Houston, Texas, drafted by the Phillies in the seventh round of the 2003 draft and made his major league debut with the Phillies in 2007. War number 38. And, you know, was a, a he was never just an absolute all-star with the Phillies, but he would eat up some innings as a low-end starter, and the Rockies would sign him to a free agent contract in 2015. 
just one year where it was not good. Gave up 33 home runs in that season. And he would then leave, uh, kind of bounce around. His last major league uh, playing time was with Boston in 2017. Mm-hmm. But that 2015, trying to lead the Rockies, it just did not lead anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of looking over his careers, that sharp decline just during his time with the Phillies, it just kind of, it was inconsistency, I think was the phrasing I saw somewhere where like he'd have good years and then it kind of flop because he just has this undefined role. Roy Halladay gets there in 2010. So his role kind of shifts around in Philadelphia. So, you know, still you look at his numbers before coming to Colorado, like, like we were saying, one of those solid, like, oh, it could be a fourth or fifth starter, back-end rotation type of veteran. Instead, he comes to Colorado, and he's the opening day starter. Oh. <laughs> it was very forgettable. Oh, man. Well, you, you want to forget. <laughs> yes, it, it wasn't. Man, it was sad because... You know, they spent the money to to get somebody that had a name. He played on some very successful Philadelphia Phillies teams. Some championship teams. And they bring him to be pretty much the number two starter behind Jorge De La Rosa. And it was just... He, he, he got hit so hard. Mm-hmm. And the ball would just fly off the bat when he pitched. Yeah, looking at it in 2015, a 43.3% hard hit rate against him. Opponents were Dude. hitting hit opponents hit 302 with a 359 on base, 565 slugging, the highest of his career. Well, until he pitched in Boston in 2017. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't good after that, but it was it was that thing though that the Rockies saw a sinker baller. The guy gets ground balls, and it just did not translate to any type of success at Coors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a thirty nine point six percent ground ball rate, the lowest of his career. It just nothing worked for him, and <laughs> we saw some articles that were just like. They're just brutal. But again, he didn't go out there every fifth day to try to suck. Mm-hmm. He'd go out there to try to have success. Did he find it? Not really. But he would go out there. He 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 was durable that that season. What made twenty seven starts. Now did he last very long in yeah. all those twenty seven <laughs> starts? No. Yeah, I'm gonna but, look up his 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 innings pitched in his game logs. Yeah, he only but, had let's see. Only seven of those twenty seven starts where he lasted less than five innings. Five okay. full innings. So you'll take that. Yeah, that's oof. 
it was not not a a very good taste in your mouth in that season um it it was i remember he was a guy watching him pitch i kind of during that time i really liked his his mechanics the way he looked his presence on the mound mm-hmm. i remember a really compact leg kick going mm-hmm. up and getting that that stripe he wasn't a flamethrower at all but i think of him and like a derrick lowe that was a, one of the most famous sinker ballers of that time over in, he was in boston and and with uh with the braves thing with the dodgers and i i remember kyle kendrick i was thinking maybe he could find that kind of success just working sinker ball sinker ball getting those ground balls and it just did not work out at all mm-hmm. and i look back at it and i think who was you know i think that your catchers really i think they do play a part in a pitcher's success Mm-hmm. And maybe I feel that he just did not have that kind of connection with with the with the catchers that that he worked with there. He had Nick Hunley, who was not a bad catcher, Michael McHenry, who was not a bad catcher, but maybe just something didn't click. Yeah. I don't know. Those are those are some of those things that that who knows, maybe that affected him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause who was the catcher in Philadelphia all those years? Was it Carlos Ruiz? Might have been, yeah. So, yeah, that could definitely be something because <laughs> what is a catcher but just a pitcher that's crouching behind the plate? But I was looking up this thing. It says also, I guess he attributes to being able to not show emotion on the mound and keep his composure, which is really probably tough to do when you're leading the league in home runs and earned runs, but says that's a trait he learned from his father and has embodied since playing little league and credits his composure as the reason he's able to consistently go with the float and avoid being flustered, even in adverse situations. Oh yeah. So, that's, I think that's, that's a great character thing about Kyle Kendrick. It facing the beast. And, and I think Rocky's fans aren't, only one I can think of just people just absolutely losing it was Jeremy Guthrie mm-hmm. where you could hear the hate from the stands towards him walking off the mound. Mm-hmm. But with Kyle Kendrick, we didn't have that. I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't It was like, man, he just can't get it done, but it yeah. wasn't a booing kind of thing. And I think that his composure is, something that that contributed to that those feelings that I didn't want to go after that guy because you see he's just you know he knows he's getting lit up but he's not throwing a fit he's not showing like oh I hate it here like we've seen other people do mm-hmm. yeah or you no know, use course field and you know the Rockies as an excuse no it's just not getting it done Trying to see if I could find any articles with quotes from him. But he's another one of those guys that we're talking about tail end of his career. He was only 30. 
too, which is the thing. Like, it, there was a, a point like, okay, he is maybe at the tail end of his career, hasn't really been the elite pitcher maybe he'd hoped for, or the Phillies hoped for. But maybe we can just a change of scenery will help him out. And we've seen that happen. Like, there's been some success of a guy coming to the Rockies, but it just hasn't, just didn't work out for him. Instead, it just kind of continued to compound. And then, unfortunately, he's out of baseball for 2016 and then comes back with the Red Sox in 2017 and only pitches a little bit, but wasn't very good. But the Rockies, again, we're hoping for this kind of goes back to with Nagel, a guy that was good four years prior, was an yeah. innings eater in Philadelphia, 182 innings in 2013. 199 in 2014. So, no, they signed that guy and think, okay, he's going to give us some innings. This is going to be really good. Oh, he's getting lit up and he's only, <laughs> he's giving us five innings, which is great. But, uh, considering who's in our bullpen right now, uh, Eesh. <laughs> yeah. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's funny looking at and out of out of all these, yeah. Could could we throw some more guys into this list, starting pitching wise? Uh, yeah, of course. But these are the ones I think the the Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel were those first big splash that the Rockies made in trying to get some big name free agent pitching, starting pitching, and then we really didn't have that again until Kyle Kendrick were really like. Hey, this guy's played on some really had some good success with a good Phillies team. We're bringing him here to help us out, mm. and so that's why kind of these three guys stuck out to us, and how they just didn't they didn't work out. Yeah, but and that's it, that's the kind of deals that we want, though. The Kyle Kendrick, it's a one year. Yeah, it was five and a half million, but that I think might have been maybe high at the time because. Now in 2000, 2024, we're looking at ten, one year for ten, eleven million. Oh, the Rockies will still find that sub ten free agent pitcher. Oof. Hence Dakota Hudson on a one point five million dollar deal. Yep. <laughs> Man, but it's Kendrick is also part of that problem of compounding that problem of how the Rockies approach starting pitching and free agency and just starting pitchers in general of, Oh, and we're seeing hints of that again, heading into the 2024 season. We want a guy who can eat some innings and you know be effective sinker ballers essentially too. And Ryan Spielborg's mentioned this on a, on an interview the other day where the Rockies had some, pre there was some presentation like 20 years ago about, how sinker ballers have the lowest slugging percentage against against them. And that's stuck with the Rockies. And that's, you can then, with that in your mind, you can see how they've operated since like 2003 of how they've approached pitching and types of pitchers and everything still seems to be sinkers. But the problem with that is, as we've seen with you know, all three of these guys we've talked about, is unless they're elite sinker baller pitchers, that can throw strikes, it doesn't matter because they're going to issue the higher amounts of walks 
And when they do put the ball over the plate, it's going to get whacked out of the ballpark, as Kyle Kendrick found out. Yeah, and that's a sinker baller. If that ball is not sinking, you know, because most sinker ballers aren't flamethrowers. Mm-hmm. And so that ball doesn't sink. It's it's hanging out belt level mm-hmm. and ending up at Todd's Burgers, you know. It's it's something that it and it's Philly. I saw that that too about Spilly talking about that. Of they got to and that's that's even whenever they were taught that, you go that's pre humidor mm-hmm. stuff. And even then, the humidor I don't think really has done, you know, yeah. as much as we think it does. It's helped, but it's not like the huge help that they sometimes think, especially with yeah. the different baseballs every year. And we still get. Opponent, opposing pitchers coming to Coors looking like Cy Young. Mm-hmm. And they're just there one day. And it's, it's something that's it's got to change. That yeah. we, Ubaldo Jimenez was not a sinker baller. <laughs> he, was, he was whizzing it. Yeah. Working up and down, side to side, and not just middle down. Yeah. You know, working up in the zone, moving the ball around. And that's how Irmon was early on. But then these last you know, two seasons, or when he's been healthy, all of a sudden he's throwing 93, pounding the bottom of the zone. And you're like, what are we doing here? And so For it, shame. A lot of these guys are the Rockies have convinced themselves. You can see it. We can't spend money on free agents starting pitching. We can't pursue those top of the line guys because it's not going to work out. They're they're going to be terrible here, and they keep using that excuse. You see Bill Schmidt and Dan O'Dowd on MLB Network at the winter meetings, like you tried to sign starting pitching. They're like, oh yeah, it didn't work out. We can't do that anymore. I'm like, yes, you can. Like, you can do it again. Technology's better. You're getting a better <laughs> analytics department. You've got your pitching lab in Arizona now. You can do it if you try, and like. Take the gamble on a guy. Spend the one year, fifteen million on a guy, because if Jack Flaherty can get fifteen million for being terrible, like you can afford to spend. Go get a Noah Syndergaard and see what can happen. Oh, even if you're going to gamble on the one year, try to get somebody quality. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like we're just going to have to compile our own data and statistics and present it to yeah. the Rockies. We'll do a random presentation <laughs> yes. and hope it sticks with them. We'll make sure we hit the hot words of sinker. Uh, <laughs> low strikeout. I'll just do it in Spanish. And then anytime I say sinker, it's, it's in a negative sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but it's like we, yeah, but it's you know the the Rockies continue. It's it's a it's been a consistent problem, and it's it's one of those things that I wish the bad taste in their mouth wasn't still there. Yeah, about the those two thousand one contracts, yeah. and the Kyle Kendrick was just another one of of like rethink. Do we really need to go after another sinker baller? You know, get outside of that mold. Look for, I'm all about those one-year deals. Get all that you can out of them. And if they 
want, had some success and want to be here, all right, let's do it again. Let's just repeat, copy and paste. Yeah. You know, it's good that there's a lot of good homegrown talent coming. And no, homegrown talent, that's a good way to go. It's cost effective and everything. You can stick with that. But you need to supplement that with good veterans starting pitching that can help the group. And if you're lacking in a space, say a legit ace, then look where you can go get that guy. You don't have to maybe don't go crazy and spend the <laughs> seven years, 200 million type stuff. But you can go get a solid three-year deal with a starting pitcher who could be good for a couple of years, like a Michael Lorenzen. Oh, mid-tier guys. We'll probably never get the top-tier guys ever again, but mid-tier guys that can still be pretty good. Take a shot at them. See if you can get them. At the very least, try, even if you don't sign them. Yep. Make the effort. It's just nice if if we hear the Rockies mentioned yeah. in the rumors and the in the things that at least gives us some hope that they're trying. Yeah. Which there hasn't been any of that this offseason. Crickets. They haven't been attached to anybody and then all of a sudden, whoa. See the, the Rockies and agents keep that pretty under wraps. Until they tell Thomas Harding twenty minutes before they announce something. Oh, yeah. FYI. <laughs> FYI, Thomas, you can tweet about this. <laughs> Get your credit. But, uh, oh, well. Free agency, pitching-wise, hasn't been very friendly to the Rockies. <laughs> but that'll do it here for this edition of Every Rocky Ever on some of these free agent busts out of the starting pitching market. There have been success stories. They're just not the focus of this episode. <laughs> we'll Kevin, get to him. Kevin we'll Millwood, him. one day. Ooh, Roy, Roy Oswald. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> but as always, you can follow us at Every Rocky Ever. And I'll, I've been trying to repost back through the catalog some more. So in case you haven't seen any of them and you don't want to try to scroll through, I'll try to keep putting those out when not remember some guys uh you can also follow me at sideline underscore crowd you can follow dustin at mr t spanish it's pretty much all of his social media ones um and you can also go check out at rocky mtn rooftop rocky mountain rooftop over on our twitter new episodes every monday Be sure to like and subscribe here on youtube on all your favorite podcasting platforms leave a review and all that good jazz. And, I don't know, nobody ever does it much. But let us know who else you would like to see us talk about. Give us some ideas. Even theme ideas. We're just looking for themes. Those would be good ones. Oh, yeah. Those are the fun ones. And, and, it, and I don't know, I like nerding out of when we throw out a bunch of names. Then it just gets, gets going and taking it into the, the good old memories. Mm -hmm. Or bad, like today. Yeah. And... As always, the, let us know also your memories at Todd Helton, all that good stuff. Want to compile as much as we can so we can have stuff to talk about whenever we do the Todd Helton special episode. Because that one will be a, that one could even be a multi-parter if there was enough talk. But Oh man, I could talk about Todd Helton for hours. We'll just talk Todd Helton generations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Celebrity Todd Helton and then this and then that. 
old man titles. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-goatee, post-goatee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. But as always, thank you for joining along with us. And we'll see you next time. I'm Skyler. That's Dustin. Farewell. Farewell. Farewell.